This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Exodus chapter 31, finishing out Exodus chapter 31 in all actuality, because next Bible study, we will go into the next chapter, chapter 32, and deal with the golden calf. Today, we're trying to put a bow on understanding entering God's rest and what that means and the importance of it. And so we're going to go back to Hebrews. Remember in verse 16, it says, therefore, the children of Israel shall not shall keep the Shabbat or the Sabbath to observe the Shabbat throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Notice, uh, we're going to keep the Sabbath as a perpetual covenant. In fact, this is an aspect of the covenant is keeping the Shabbat, making sure that they keep it and make it holy. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, meaning as they keep the Sabbath, as they keep the Shabbat, it is a sign. And and then he immediately ties it back, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And so you see that there is something spiritual that is happening here, something that is spiritually of importance, because God does not need to, he does not sleep or slumber, the Bible says. He he does not need actual rest. What, What the Bible tells us is that he this is some this has some aspect to it that has a deep spiritualness that deals with not physical rest but deals with a a harmony a, a the best way for me to say it is there is a there is an aspect to this that is the depths and the intimacy of being with God relating to God knowing to God walking with God and it has a, a spiritual significance that's far beyond just a physical rest. In fact, it is actual the way we were made to live and to relate to God. So it is in every ways, in every way, it is a spiritual understanding that that you you need to explore. And so, well, what do we explore? We explore it in the New Testament so that we can understand it in its completeness. We explore it in Hebrews. And if you remember a couple of Bible studies ago, we went to verse 16 of chapter 3, and it says, for who having heard rebelled, meaning they heard God's word, indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses. So what he's saying is, I had a plan for them to enter in my rest, enter into the promised land, which is the promises of God, the favor of God, the goodness of God. I had that promise for them to enter into that land. But what did they do? They rebelled. Now, with whom was he angry for 40 years? Now, notice he's not talking about the rebellion that's about to happen that is the golden calf. That's just that's just idolatry, straight-up idolatry. He's talking about the rebellion where they chose not to trust him and to enter into his rest. And I, that is the key there. 
they chose not to trust God and do as he had instructed them to do, meaning to, in this particular instance, enter into the promised land, but in a broader sense, he, he has told them that they are to hear his voice, believe him because of all that he's done for them, not based just off of a faith that is has no real tangible reason for it, a real reason, all that's been done for them, and that they should enter the promised land because he's showed them that he's able to deliver them, to sustain them, and now to lead them into his rest. And he's saying, I want you to, I want you to hear me and listen to me and enter into this rest. But what did they do? It, it says, was it not those who sinned? whose corpse fell in the wilderness. And to whom did he swear that they could not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey. Notice, they don't enter his rest, meaning they don't, we're not talking about being delivered from Egypt, being delivered from sin. We're not talking about knowing God. They know God. They've been delivered. They knew God. They met God on the mountaintop. Some of them uh, chose idolatry over him, but all those were dead. We're talking about the, those who got to the edge of the promised land and God told them to go into the promised land, and they didn't go. That's who we're discussing today. And why did they not go? Because they refused to obey. Why did they refuse to obey? Because they did not believe. And so when we do not trust God, and I use that word trust in almost exclusively understanding it means faith, but I, I love the word trust because it is really how we understand it in our own language and in our own culture. It's faith, hope, trust, believe, but all those words mean the same thing. We place our hope in God. We place our faith in him, our, we, but we believe and trust in him is really the two, two ideas that get you to the place where you're, where you're doing this relationship with God in a powerful way. So he says, so we see that you could not enter because of their unbelief. They did not obey because they did not believe. That's what verse 19 says. So they could not enter in because they did not believe. They had unbelief in their heart. And remember, that's the only thing that God cannot deal with in your life. He cannot fix unbelief because unbelief without faith is impossible to please God. Unbelief separates from us from God. That's what makes us spiritually dead in the garden. It was, it's what makes us spiritually numb to who he is in life. He says in verse in chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, meaning that promise of entering his rest that was in Exodus that, that has to do with the Shabbat, the Sabbath, that Sabbath rest, having that promised land rest, that Shabbat rest, that this is all the same idea. This this is the same idea of having that perfect, intimate, not only just relationship, but life with God. It's a, it's life with God. He says, that promise remains of entering his rest. Let us fear. Now, notice they feared because they didn't know what the promised land was going to be like. So they had a fear of the unknown. The writer of Hebrews, who I think the Apostle Paul says, let us fear lest we seem to have come short of it. Meaning, don't fear about going into God's rest. Don't have a fear about that intimacy and that relationship with God. That's not the fear that you need to have. He's saying the fear that you need to have is the fear of not entering his rest. 
you need to be concerned about not having that intimate relationship with God. The greatest fear you ought to have is not what's going to happen as I walk with God. The greatest fear is that I wouldn't walk with God that I would not have that relationship, that well, I would not have those things. If, you, if you're going to live your life in fear not having God, that, that, that is a reasonable fear because to not be with God is to not have life. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you have no life. That's what John says in First John. And so <clears throat> if you want to be fearful, live your life in fear, live your life in fear of not having God. That's a, that would be a healthy fear, uh, a fear of being godless in your life. He says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Notice, the good news of God's plan for them was preached to them. The good news of God's plan for us has been preached to us. It did not profit them, meaning it didn't give them any value. Why? Because the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it, meaning the word didn't, didn't matter because they did not mix it with faith, they did not trust it and believe it and act upon it. They didn't do it. And listen, this is real simple in life. It's just, it's really simple and very difficult all at the same time. I know that. But that being said, it, it, it's what he's saying. They had the good news. They had the message from God and they didn't mix it with faith. And so it was of no value to them. But we who have believed do enter that rest as he said, meaning if you hear God's message and you believe it, <clears throat> faith, hope, trust, believe, I trust it, meaning it, it's reflected in my actions, as James says in his letter. I've got, a, I got my faith has, my faith creates action. It creates words. I say it makes me do what I believe. He says, if you mix God's word, God's revelation to you, and you trust it, you act upon it, what does it do? It changes you. It, it makes you act. It moves you. He says, so I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Notice, we've entered his rest. <clears throat> we need to. He, he's not going to swear. He's not going to swear you won't have his rest, meaning you won't have that life that he has for you. He says, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have it if you'll mix it with faith. If you'll mix my revelation with faith. If you don't, you won't have it. He said, <clears throat> although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, meaning it's not like we've got to do something. We, we don't have to accomplish anything. And that's what he says here. Although the work will finish from the foundation of the world, everything that's required for you to enter God's rest has already been made available. It's already been made available to you. So you don't have to do anything. You don't have to, you don't have to make something happen for uh, to, for this to work. You don't have to do that at all. You don't have to do that at all. What you do have to do is you have to trust or you have to place your faith in the finished work that God has already done. And that work, notice, was finished from the foundation of the world. Meaning, it had already been planned, prepared for, and it has been worked up before us. It's, it was finished from the foundation of the world. It's done. It's already done. It's done. And it, and, and it was done before man ever was made. For he has spoken in certain places of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Meaning, God has a rest, and 
it's the ultimate end of his plan for us. That is the seventh day, the completion of his plan. The ultimate completion of his plan is a rest. And he said, you won't end my rest if you don't mix my revelation to you with faith, which results in obedience. You won't do it. He says, for he has spoken in a certain place. And then he says, verse six, six, since therefore it remains that some must enter it. And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day saying in David, today after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. What he's saying in, he's saying in the book of Psalms, he's quoting back to the book of Psalms. He says, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart toward it. Trust it, believe it. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Notice that it's not no longer a work that we have to do. It's no longer a work that has to be completed. The entering his rest is his spirit leading, guiding, providing, and making a way. And <clears throat> that's what that's what this is all about. Ultimately, it's about that life that God has for us that we need to exercise and live in. And oftentimes it's very difficult to to do it. I know that. But when God speaks, that's why I, I just, I guess I, the best way for me to describe it is I harp on it all the time. When God speaks to your heart, my job as, as a pastor is to teach you how to, how, what God has to say. And the best way for me to do that is to tell you when God speaks to you, follow him, try him, see if he will be faithful to what he's uh, promised you. And he always is. He always is. But you got, you, you've got to engage him. And it's not an engaging of the church, and it's not an engaging of a person like a pastor like me. It's not engaging in anything physical. It is engaging in the spiritual. And if you're not willing to engage him at that level, you're never going to have that intimacy that he says, if you're not going to engage me personally and intimately, you're not going to have that rest. You're just not going to have it. And that's difficult. It's hard. It's hard for us to uh, to deal with. I, I know it is. We got to get past ourselves, our own flesh. But if we're going to be afraid of something, be afraid of not having that intimacy with God. And I can promise you this: He is at work regularly. He's at work continually, making His rest available, making His will known through His Word, and He wants you to know what it is to walk with Him. He really does. So the whole reason this whole plan's been put in place. So I pray that you'll do that yourself. I pray that'll be a part of how you live your life. I pray that you will make every effort to enter his rest. What a great understanding that God has given us in the book of Exodus. Really gave it, given us throughout scripture. And then it culminates and spelled out in Hebrews. And I expect that we all shall enter his rest. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.